Hey everyone, I'm Cody, and you are listening to a public church podcast. I hope you enjoy the talk today, and thanks for listening. Amen. Woo! I mean, that is, we're going we gonna to go to church. So this morning, I learned um, pretty early on that Todd gave this instruction. He said, hey, when I'm preparing for a message, I go ahead and just listen to the worship set. And so I did that. I sat down. I cue these up. I listened to them three, four times. Nothing prepares me to sing that song as I'm over here just weeping that, God, you've been good to me. Like, your, your faithfulness is good. And I love that this line, this has nothing to do with Ruth. We'll be there in a minute. So y'all can turn to Ruth, too. We'll be there in a second. But the goodness of God doesn't start when we choose Jesus. Because when we read in Romans 5, it says that God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. That's good news. And so this morning, as we sing about the goodness of God, we've got to start at the cross. This morning, as we, as we look at what that means to live in the goodness of God, it starts with the blood of Jesus. Like I said, that has nothing to do with Ruth too. but hey, I was reminded this morning as believers, we can't get tired of hearing the gospel preached. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do is we're going to lay out the good news of Jesus. So I'll backtrack a couple steps. If we haven't met yet, my name's Nolan. I have the privilege of serving as our middle school, high school, and college pastor. If you can't tell by how I'm dressed, it's fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. I am not Todd, um, and that's okay. Um, and so we, we've got this opportunity since I have a live mic, and I just saw Todd take his off that he can't interrupt now. So we're going to take some time this morning and just dog on Todd for a moment. And he, he signed off on most of this beforehand, but Todd's got this great, great, great way of asking people to speak, um, which was the phone call that I got a couple weeks before Easter. And Todd said, I've got this really crazy idea. And I was like, this is going to be fun. Um, and basically it was, hey, I want you to um, teach an Easter lesson two weeks before Easter and kind of kick off our Easter season in that moment. And I thought, what? You want me to teach what you're going to be teaching in two weeks? And really that week in between is, is, is good, like that, that, that Palm Sunday. So we're getting the gospel message of Jesus dying on a cross three weeks in a row. He said, that's exactly what I want. I said, okay, you are crazy. And I thought, okay, then the world we live in, just COVID, kind of derailed that plan. And then he called back a couple weeks ago, and he says, I've got another idea. Dang it. Um, It's fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. So he says, we're going to teach through the book of Ruth. I said, perfect. I can do that. we, We can just let me know where you're going to start and end, and I'll just pick up. And he says, actually, we're going to do a character study. And I said, I'm sorry, what? Um, He said, we're going to do a character study. We're going to highlight three characters in the book of Ruth. We're going to look at Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. I said, okay. So naturally, I'm going to fall right in the middle. So naturally, as we've started talking, um, I'm like, I'm either going to have Naomi or Boaz. That's just basically, that just, in my mind, logically, it just makes sense to go that Ruth would either she would bookend. If we're going to give an overview, she could go in the beginning. If we're going to do a recap, she can go at the end. Ruth just doesn't go in the middle until this morning. So this morning, we're going to be looking at the character of Ruth and and seeing how this book ties into each and every one of us. So last week, um, we looked at Naomi, the bitter. 
And, and Todd did this great job of, of laying out how all of us find ourselves in the story of bitterness. Um, and so if you haven't watched, pause this video, go back, watch last week. If you're in the room, go watch last week's um, Last week's lesson after this, it is such a beautiful way to say, hey, this is what, this is how we all fit in the story of bitterness. And the next week, we're going to be looking at the wealthy in Boaz. And if you're sitting under the sound of my voice, whether you're watching this online or you're in this room, we find ourselves on the wealthy side on a global standard. But even if you say, I'm going to push back against that, I've got, we can talk about that, you won't win. But if you're like, hey, I'm going to push back, you will find yourself in a moment where you're like, I kind of do wish I had a little bit more money. Um, I kind of do wish that I was a little bit more wealthy. For me, I identify with shoes. Like, it's just where we're at. And so if I I, if I just, it just happened. So I identify, well, I wish I identified with the wealthy. So it's just one of those where we can find ourselves in those two stories. But I would venture to guess that no one woke up this morning and said, you know what, today I want to be a foreigner. I don't think anyone walked in here today and said, you know what, I want to lay down my security and my comfort to be an outsider. I don't think anyone said, you know what, that sounds fun today. But as we look at the book of Ruth, we see that's exactly what Ruth does. And so I want to take just a moment and we're going to read Ruth chapter 2, 1 through whenever I feel like stopping. Um, and then from there, we're going to go back and kind of dissect some of these um, verses together. And so... If you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean amongst the ears of grain, and after him whose sight I shall find favor. She said to her, Go, my daughter. She set out and she went and gleaned in the field after the reapers and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young men who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is that? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She, uh, she said, please, let me glean and gather amongst the sheaves and the reapers. She came. She has continued to work from early until now, except for a short break. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink with the young men, have, what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And I love, I love verse 11 because Boaz's answer here, Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. 
How you left your father and mother in your native land and you came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Verse 13, then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. For you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that we are able to be in a moment of worship through the reading of your scriptures. Father, I pray that you would move me out of the way. You would remove any distractions that we've carried in here so that we can hear from you today. Father, I pray that as we look at the character of Ruth, as we dive into her stories, that God, you would show us where we belong. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you're doing. It's your name we pray. Amen. So, Bear with me for just a few moments as we kind of dive into where we're at. So we're going to focus a little bit on the front end, then we're going to sum it up at the back end and just just follow along. We're going to start naturally where we should start in verse 1 of chapter 2. So that's pretty easy to follow, um, but after that I can't guarantee anything else. So Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. Now Naomi, she has this relative and uh, his name's Boaz. He's a worthy man. He's got it going on. So Boaz itself translates to strength is in him. And then he's this worthy man, which translates to like, he's a man of valor. So like Boaz has it going on. Like Boaz, he's got it. And then verse two, just want to focus on a couple of words in verse two, and then, and Ruth, the Moabite. Now those two identities next to each other cause a little bit of conflict, Because Boaz, this worthy man, this worthy Israelite, this this guy who's got it going on, who everything on the surface says you have done right, is now sitting next to Ruth, a Moabite woman. Now, as we zoom out just a little bit and we look at this idea of who the Moabites were, we have to go back to uh, Genesis 19 to see where their line starts. And it's a pretty interesting story about Lot and two women who are desperate to, to save their lineage, two, two women who are, who are really trying to figure out what am I going to do because if I die without a child, then my line is disrupted and I'm gone forever. And so you've got two women who will do whatever it takes to save their line. And so Genesis 19 lays out where the Moabites come from because they reach into, um, they, they have taken everything into their own control. They've stopped relying on God and saying, I don't trust that you can actually protect me. And when we compare that to Naomi and Ruth that we looked at last week of two women who are desperate to maintain their lineage and what the rest of the book of Ruth will lay out is we see that the trajectory of their lives are very different. Now practically, the Moabites would have been used to execute judgment on Israel. You see, we read last week at the end of Judges, which is when Ruth takes place is during this time, that 
when there was no king, the people did what was right in their own eyes. And so as the nation of Israel, they would do, go through this cycle of we're going we're gonna to worship God, but then we're going to take things into our own hands. We're going to do what's right in our own eyes. We're going to sin against God. God's going to execute judgment as we're sitting in this oppression. Then we're going to repent. God's going to restore. And it's just this up and down, back and forth of how are we going to survive? So Judges chapter 3 the Moabites enter the scene as the ones that will execute judgment on Israel. So the Moabites have oppressed Israel. They've kept them down. And then God raises up this judge. It's a great story. Judges chapter 3. It involves a guy dying in a bathroom. It's pretty fantastic. And so it's one that you need to go read. Judges 3. Um, but in that moment, when God restores the nation of Israel... What he does is he sends the Israelite army back into Moab. And when we look at the end of chapter 3, it says that the Israelites slaughtered 10,000 Moabite men. In one day, 10,000 men are killed at the hands of the Israelites. Now imagine for a moment, you are young Ruth. Growing up in a Moabite household, hearing about what the nation of Israel has done to your people, hearing about the slaughter of 10,000 men on this one day, and then this Israelite family moves in down the street. And Ruth doesn't just befriend these people, she ends up marrying into this family. And we saw this beautiful declaration of, of where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. The very God that sent judgment to execute 10,000 people. Ruth is saying, you know what? That's a good God. That's a God I, I, I can follow and I can trust because he takes care of his people. Ruth refuses to bow to the idols of Moab to follow after Yahweh in this moment. And so very quickly we see conflicts between a worthy man of Israel and a Moabite woman. And over and over and over we're going to see that Ruth is labeled as this Moabite woman. She's labeled as where her past once had her and not where she's at currently. And then verse 3, see we're only three verses into this, man, y'all gonna miss lunch. Um, so, um, end of, there we are, verse 3. So, verse 3, um, Ruth then shows us, hey, this is not just the faith of my mother-in-law. This is not just the faith of my young, my late husband. This is a faith that she has, she has, started to, to dive into and immerse herself in the law of this God. And how do we know that? Because she says to Naomi, I'm going to glean in the fields after the reapers. And this concept of gleaning would have been Old Testament generosity to show that God was for those in need, the widows and the orphans. He is a God that cares about those who do not have a place in this world. And so for Ruth, as an outsider, as a Moabite, these would not have been laws that would have been welcomed to her because she is not an Israelite. But she knows that God has changed her story. 
And so she leans into the law of God and says, you know what, I'm going to, to, to see what this generosity is really like. I'm going to lean into what God has for me and my people as someone who is redeemed. She goes to glean. And as she's gleaning, I just, again, want to focus on a couple of words here. She just so happened to find herself in the part of the field that belonged to Boaz. And I want to stop right there and say nothing in this story is left to happenstance. Nothing in this moment is like she happened to stumble into this part of the field. And today, you don't just happen to be here. You didn't just happen to click on this link. You didn't just happen to see this video. You didn't just happen to walk in today. God has a reason for each and every one of you to be in this moment And what Ruth didn't know is this so happenstance, this happened to find it will ultimately change the trajectory of her life in Israel and going forward. And this morning, it's possible for the trajectory of your life to be changed because you happen to be here because your daughter or granddaughter was being dedicated this morning. You just happened to be here because you were driving by and saw a church sign. You just happened to be here because your boyfriend or girlfriend goes here. You just happened to be here because whatever you fill in the blank of why you think you just happened to walk in here, God has something different for you today. Because God will not waste a moment with you sitting in his presence. And so today, I want you to lean into why you actually are here. What brought you to this moment today? And we're only three verses in. So we're going to speed this up just a little bit. Um, and we've got this, again, we've got this idea of Boaz comes back into town. We've got this beautiful greeting between his servants and, and, and him as a leader that Todd's going to unpack next week. So come back, click again, whatever you got to do, get here as we look at the character of Boaz. Because Boaz's relationship with the people that work for him is beautiful and it's something that we can all learn from as we are stepping into this idea of leadership because oh it's it's great come back it's gonna be fine we, we we don't have time to unpack that right now but we see again Boaz asks hey whose young woman is that and again Ruth is labeled by she's that Moabite she's nothing more than who she used to be she's nothing more than where she came from She's the outsider, the immigrant, the foreigner. Ruth, the Moabite woman who came back with Naomi. And then Boaz has this interesting idea, and he says, I'm going to go talk to her. And he goes and, and he, he starts this blessing process of like, hey, hey, how did you get here? Don't go to another field. Um, have I not charged my young men not to touch you? And there's some cultural implications of that. But basically, she's a single widowed woman and she's vulnerable. And so Boaz says, I'm going to protect her. So he charges, hey, no one touch her. He's already looking out. This is God's people looking out for God's people. And this is one of those moments where Boaz says, this one deserves protection. And so that's part of why we're here as a church, as a gathering, to protect those around us. And so will we rise up and fight for the honor of one another? 
Todd mentioned it earlier about outdoing one another and showing honor. How have we stepped into that Romans passage of saying, I'm going to honor those around me. And so Boaz does this by saying, have I not done this? This is how you live that life. So the interaction continues, and this is honestly a little bit terrifying, um, but it's, it's one of those where Ruth asks a question. She says, why have I found favor in your sight? And Boaz's response, um, I don't know that I would fit in the story here. Because Boaz's response to Ruth about why she has found favor in them is all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother in your native land and you came to a people that you did not know, the Lord repay you a full reward. Now, I'm going to pause for a moment. And I want you to replace mother-in-law with your boss, with your coworker, with your spouse, with your roommate, with your parent, if someone walked up to you and said, everything that you've done for them has been told to me, would a blessing from the Lord be the response? Everything that you've done for your wife, everything that you've done for your roommate, everything that you've done to a professor, every thought that you've had about this person has been told to me, the Lord repay you. For me, that terrifies me because the Lord repaying me looks a lot different than this blessing that he offers. So Ruth has done something right. Ruth has, has given up everything. This idea of like leaving her father and mother and, and clinging to Naomi and, and making her God their God. It's this idea that Ruth is incredibly loyal to what she needs. Enter Enneagram 6. And so it's one of those moments where like Ruth here is showing, hey, everything that I need to do is trust that Naomi and her God are good enough. So everything that you have done for your mother-in-law has been told to me. And Ruth then falls on her face again and she says this, this language that's a little bit vague in verse 13, she says, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And that is where we find ourselves in this story. Because the way that Boaz has welcomed Ruth into the fold, God in heaven has offered that same reward to each and every one of us. That though we were not one of his servants, he did not withhold a blessing from us. He said, everything that I have is yours. He steps in and he says, even though we read it, we talked about it earlier, like while we were separated from him, he loved us anyways. 
To, to further get here, we're going to flip over to Ephesians chapter 2, and I love the book of Ephesians, and we don't have time to cover all of it, but we find ourselves in the story because if we look at verse 1, it says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and whence you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince that is working, the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once walked. So if you want to know whether or not you are a foreigner to God, right there, we all were enemies of him at one point. We all found ourselves on the outside of God's love, looking at it and saying, that's what I need and I love. Verse 11. Verse 11 in chapter 2 says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by which the circumcision is made by flesh in the hands. Remember Remember, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ. Remember, at that moment you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant promise having no hope you don't know what Ruth felt like walking into a land of a people she didn't know verses 11 and 12 we were strangers she was an alien she had no hope. And you can ask any of our students that are in here, these next three letters change everything in the story. Because this is where we're at. We're alienated. We're dead in our trespasses and sins in which we all once walked. We are separated from God to verse 13. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But now, in Christ, but now, in Christ, everything changes. You were aliens. You were strangers. You were separated from God. Christ looked at you and said, I don't want you there. So he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross that we could be brought near by his blood. And verse 14 fires me up. Because that Jesus that died on the cross, he becomes our peace. And I don't know what you walked in with. I don't know what's waiting for you when you walk out of these doors, but Jesus Christ himself can be your peace. I, I don't know what your story looks like outside of these walls. I don't know what battle is being fought in your heart right now, but Jesus offers peace. 
He's broken down the walls of hostility. He has made the stranger a co-heir. And I love this passage as it goes on. And we don't, again, we don't have time to dive into all of this, but he reconciled both sides through one body and the cross and therefore killing the hostility. He came and he preached to those who were far off and he preached to those who were near for those in him have access in one spirit to the Father so that you are no longer strangers or aliens. You are no longer a stranger or an alien in the fold of God. Why? Because God sent his son to die on a cross. And so we're no longer strangers or aliens, but... You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're no longer the Moabite woman. You're no longer the stranger in the land of a God who says, you're not worthy. You're no longer labeled as who you once were. You're you're no longer defined by the actions you made this morning on the way in here. You're no longer defined by the sin that you'll commit later this evening. You're no longer defined by who your family was. You're no longer defined by anything that you can do on the face of this planet because Jesus sent his son to be our peace. You see, so often we find ourselves working and grinding and fighting for a seat at the table of Jesus and he says, just come to me. Just let me be What makes you enough? Let let Jesus be the one that shapes your identity. Let Jesus be the one that says you're worthy. Let Jesus be the one that says you have worth. Lean into that peace that Jesus offers Stop fighting. Stop fighting. Stop fighting. I don't know what it looks like for all of us, but I know when we go back to Ruth chapter 3, we have another encounter between Ruth and Boaz that we'll look at next week. And Ruth basically just looks at him and she lays out this request. And in verse 11... Boaz says, do not fear. Do not fear. I love that this verse ends with Boaz reassuring Ruth, you are a worthy woman. You're worthy. You're worthy. And I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but you're worthy. You're worthy. 
You're worthy. Christ says that you are worthy. Stop fighting. Lean into that identity that Jesus says you are you are no longer strangers or aliens. Because my cross has brought you near. You see, throughout Ruth's encounter with Boaz, she, asked, she keeps asking these questions of what have I done to find favor in your sight? And some of you walked in asking that same question to God. Why do I deserve that blessing? Your, your past has been littered with, with whatever it might be in relationships. So when a good girl comes along, a good guy comes along, you're like, God, I don't deserve that. Why, why should I find favor in your eyes, Lord, to give me someone? Because I haven't worked for that. I haven't earned that. Jesus says you're worthy. What blessing is it that the Lord's trying to bestow upon you and you're like, I, I haven't earned that. Stop trying to earn it. What Jesus did on the cross is enough. So when we find our identity in who Jesus says that we are, we have to stop trying. We've got to give up the grind and just say, this is who I am. Covered in the blood of Jesus, I am made new. I'm no longer a stranger or an alien. I'm a citizen in heaven, a co-heir with Christ. You're no longer the Moabite, the outsider, the stranger. You're Jesus's. You're co-heirs with Christ. Will you lean into that truth today? Will you lean into that picture of Jesus, you've made me enough. Father God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that we can stop fighting. We thank you that you offer us peace. We thank you that you loved us enough to send your son to die on a cross for us before we ever did anything to earn it. Father, I pray that this morning that everyone under the sound of my voice, whether they're watching online or they're in this room or they'll watch six months from now, God, that they would remember that they are worthy and that their identity is not found in who they once were, but who you say that we are. Father, I pray for that person who walked in battling, grinding, God, I pray that this morning 
you would allow them to lean in to your peace. Your word says it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. So when the storms of life are raging around us, when everything seems to be going wrong, we have peace in you. And so, Father, I pray that that person would lean into your peace today. Father, I pray that we would allow the cross to be enough. We're about to sing that that the cross needs no addition. Father, allow us to stop trying to add things to your cross. I've got to do more. I've got to perform a certain way and simply be found in who you say that we are. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social media platforms at A Public Church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give towards the vision of Public Church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay or by texting Public Church in all caps with no space to 77977. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.